0: This is Triple M Summer Breakfast, our Santa, Santa this Christmas, with an amazing experience from redballoon.com.au.
1: Summer Breakfast, uh, Ed Cavalier with you, and joining me this morning for a special edition of Summer Breakfast, uh, Triple M, Daily Telegraph, uh, Talk Radio journalist, uh, Jason Morrison. Morning to you, Jason.
2: Hey, Ed, g'day. What a, a weird kind of feeling it is this morning.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, we're going to have uh, lots on the show today. We'll have the Prime Minister's statement. We'll be speaking to Graham Richardson. Uh, Sky News is Graham Richardson. Uh, Darren Hinch is going to join us as well. We'll hear from the uh, New South Wales Police Commissioner, Andrew Scipione, New South Wales Premier, uh, Mike Baird. We also want to hear from you as well. You can call us anytime you like, 133353. Uh, tell us how you were feeling. Perhaps uh, you were there and uh, how are you... Taking it in this morning uh, as well, Jace. Uh, but let's first of all hear the audio when uh, when police moved in overnight.
3: They look to be at the ready those and they're oh, going oh, in as well. They're going in, seen, as they're going in
1: now.
3: and there is gunfire. You can hear that. very It sounds loud like and clear. gunfire.
1: I'm not
4: well quick.
3: We- you can hear all of the heavily armed police going in right now.
4: I think they've gone, and that could be they, it, they could be stunned guns. It does guns. look like they
5: are storming the building at the moment. We're seeing a lot of flashes of gun. Looks like gunfire.
6: There's that hostage up there, and we can see that hostage being taken away now. That was the hostage, the seventh one we believe So
3: from 12 tonight. in total, and the cameras are being told to get Please right get back.
5: back. On
1: the Yep, you're on uh, Triple M Summer Breakfast, uh, journalist journalist Jason Morrison. So what do we know? Where are we at right now? I know you've been speaking to a lot of different sources off air before we came on. It, we
2: know that at 2.07 this morning, Sydney time, it, it was looking all right. It okay. was looking like they would negotiate an outcome. It was looking like they would be able to talk the nutcase down and to get him to release hostages. Mm-hmm. And one did. Uh, a few more emerged from the building and then something spooked him. Mm -hmm. And then he went off, I'm told, and this is yet to be formally confirmed, but my sources tell me that a man in his thirties was executed at that moment. That's the first shot you hear. And then what followed was another series of shots being fired by the gunman inside at that stage, the police engaged, they went into what they call an emergency evacuation approach, Mm -hmm. and they threw in a series of stun grenades to try to distract him and the gunfire started. Now, how many shots did the police fire? How many shots did he fire? We don't know and won't know for a while. But we do know that he killed one man to start this, and he continued firing until he was dead.
1: All right. Thank you, uh, Jason Morrison. We're back in a moment to speak to uh, Triple M News Director, Deb Clay, who was on the spot, who was on the scene as the police moved in. Jason, uh, the identity of the gunman has been confirmed. Uh, they described here as self-styled cleric man haran morris described as being well known to police now you've been a journalist in and around sydney for a very long time uh, what do you know about this man what do we know now
2: oh, i know him well um, most you people in well. the sydney media know him well he is a he, he's a, a, a vexatious complainer he's a vexatious um litigant he, yep. he is he's tried to sue everyone he's made complaints against everyone right he he sends death threats. He has sent he, me. he has he ever he, sent death threats to you before? Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah mate, I was a talk show host on a commercial radio station. Oh, you get really? death threats from every nutcase in town, and this was one of them. Um, this bloke hates Australia. He's someone Australia gave refuge to. He's an Iranian refugee, and in, in uh, you know a decade ago, we invited him to this country to save him, and mm. he got here, and he never stopped hating us, mm. and right down to this morning, um, this bloke. Was a criminal. He had been sending letters to dead soldiers' parents and, and, and threatening them after their son had died in action serving this country, mm. telling them that their son's death was in vain and that they were criminals and they should be prosecuted, etc. Cetera, et cetera. He's crazy. Mm. And not only is he crazy, he's a crook. He was involved in uh, incidents leading up to the death of his ex wife.
1: Was Uh, he? he, Is it true? Has it been confirmed that he was out on bail? Is that true or not?
2: Yes, that's where we're going on this. This should never have happened because this man should not have been out on the street. This has been a total failure of our justice system, and and you know there are police officers this morning who have put their lives on the line who are devastated that hostages have died in the effort to try to bring an end to this. Case with this man, and only because they have been let down by a system that should have made sure he was a risk. He has been a known risk since two thousand and seven. Mm, that, that That's how long he has been in and out of the justice system, mm. and and you know, police and ASIO would have a file inches thick on mm. him. They know he's everything. They know his every behaviour. And I actually think that's why they thought there was a very good chance they would be able to resolve this. In the best way possible, because they right. knew what made him
1: tick. Right. He's just, he's a publicity seeker. They dealt with him a lot of, uh, clearly, uh, for a long time, and a lot of time before this.
2: Yep. And and they, they knew him in and out. Uh, they had no, and, and really no one did. I mean, no one knew he had the means to do anything like this.
1: Mm. And Well, the question that's being asked this morning is, how does a man who's got a rap sheet as long as this and who is out on bail get hold of a firearm? That's the question that is starting to be asked now. But we will speak more about that uh, in just a little while because Deb Clay, uh, Triple M News Director, joins us. Deb, who was in Martin Place uh, overnight as the siege unfolded. Good morning to you, Deb. And um, what can you tell us overnight from what you saw?
5: Well, it has certainly been an extremely intense night for me but I tell you what it is nothing compared to those poor innocent people who were holed up inside that limp cafe for over 16 hours now the drama climax just after two this morning what we saw was a male hostage fleeing the scene he had his hands above his head and the expression on his face, that can only be described as absolutely terrifying. It is something that I will never forget. So he was literally running from the cafe. It was at that point... And were the police, police...
1: Sorry, Deb, were police moving before that moment? Were the police just uh, holding their positions before uh, that man exited? Or were they already moving?
5: Yeah, well, I noticed... The first thing I noticed was the man fleeing the cafe. And then it was at that point that the police swarmed around this man who was escaping the scene and they acted as a human shield and then they escorted him away from the area. It was at that point that I saw a number of other hostages, I believe it was two men and two women, they also escaped from the scene That was when things got really intense. I could hear this rapid gunfire and it was absolutely shocking how loud it was and how fast it all seemed to be happening. But it would have been in real time transpiring over a matter of a couple of minutes. It was at that point that police stormed into the building. And then shortly after, we saw a number of people emerge from the Limp Cafe. Clearly, a number of these people were injured. The ambulance was there and they were taken away on the stretchers. So that was the height of the drama. And then this morning came the devastating news. Yeah. that up to three people had died in this hostage situation. And in just over an hour ago, as you know, we have heard from Andrew Scipione and Mike Baird, and they have confirmed that three people have died, and two of those, are the innocent victims. So for all the people, all the families, all the people who've been standing here looking at that Lindt Cafe and just hoping and praying for the best possible outcome, this is absolutely devastating it news. Is. But you know Deb. what? It- yeah. Deborah I
2: was going to say you 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 would know this that most people go through life never really hearing a gun fired. You you, you see it on TV and it's it's surreal and it's it's weird. And then when it happens in real life, it's an unbelievable mm. noise. You heard it at two o'clock in the morning through the silence of the big city and yeah. and piercing that morning noise. And what I cannot get out of my head is uh, about two or three hundred meters away are the family members of the people who were inside that cafe. They were there because police got everyone together so they could debrief them and get all the intelligence on them so they could control all the information that those people were hearing. They weren't sitting watching it in the media and whatever yeah. else. And they had to live hearing that in the distance. And, I, you know, there, there, there are two families this morning who heard the gunshots that took the lives of their loved ones and they were blocks away. I mean, this is just not how it's meant to be.
5: I know. And it's been, you know, really interesting, you know, the different frames of mind that I go through. So I know, you know, yesterday morning when it was news was first breaking of this hostage drama, the scene, it was so tense. There was that immediate adrenaline rush. And then later in the afternoon, we started to see those hostages escaping from the situation but then for many, many hours, there was a real lull, Jason. And so you do sort of get into this really overtired, delirious state. And for the people who were inside that cafe, we know for a long time the lights were out. You can only imagine how terrifying it would have been. But because of the the intricacy and the absolute intensity of the situation, that is mixed with a real sense of delirium. So as you just said, for this to happen at two in the morning, despite the absolute trauma of the situation, even though we all were standing on high alert, it comes as an absolute shock. And to hear that gunshot, it was absolutely terrifying for me. So for the people who are connected, to the hostages and to the people who've lost their lives. This is one experience that is going to take a very long time to get over. These wounds are going to take a long time to heal.
1: Deb Clay, Triple M News Director, who was uh, on the spot when police moved in and Martin Place, we thank you for your time this morning. Thank you very much. And, of course, our thoughts uh, are with those families this morning. From Sky News, Graham Richardson joins us. Richo and Jones, 8pm tonight. Good morning to you, Richo. Good Good morning. Thanks for being Richard, with
2: us. G'day. I wonder this morning, I mean, you, like everyone, you found out this news and we have this immediate reaction to it. I wonder how this changes this country. What do you think?
7: Well, it, it, it's, it does, because what, what we feared has happened, I mean, there's no question that there are hundreds, uh, at least. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I've got to say at least, there are hundreds of people that the authorities are watching who are capable of doing this. And I suppose when you know there are hundreds that are capable, eventually one of them was going to have a crack, and
1: that's what happened. You say authorities are watching, Richard, but we're finding out today that he was a huge, long rap sheet and out on bail, and, and how close is is that watching, I I guess, my, is my question.
7: Well, look, you know, all you can do, I suppose, is listen to their phones and, and see who they're talking to, but... They're unlikely to be on the phone saying, by the way, I'm going to the Lint Cafe tomorrow. Right. They're not going to give you a warning. Um, And so it's very, very difficult. Lone wolf people, and that's what this guy was, I doubt very much if you're going to find he was part of a bigger group. Mm. He's just a lone nutter. Mm. And lone nutters, I think, are the ones you fear the most. Mm. Uh, Which which
2: probably brings us to the point. I mean, how effective are we against this? Because you're right. I mean, there, there is... There's nothing to say that there's someone listening to us right now who has similar intentions and motivations and could carry this out. So, so how do you deal with it? Because they they know this man inside and out. I mean, Richo, I mean, I'd be surprised if you haven't had contact with him because I think just about everyone in the Sydney media has had contact with him in some way. He writes letters. He's he's a he's a known. Well,
1: Jason, you said earlier that you
2: he's sent you death threats. Death in the threats.
7: Past. oh, he's a nut. And, well, and yeah, then, I think the problem was though, um, and, and the thing that worried me when I went to bed last night at about one. 30 which was just before it all went down um, what worried me all the way was that this guy had allowed his face to be shown he wasn't trying to hide he chose a place straight across from channel 7 yeah. he didn't He didn't want to be anonymous yeah. and once you're showing your face, when, once you're letting everybody know who you are then I always thought there was a problem it would go badly now I mean I think our negotiators did a pretty good job to keep it going as long as they did
1: so to, Richard, mm-hmm. sorry, sorry Jason but he wanted to speak to the Prime Minister. That was a, a demand that was, that was leaked out there. As a former politician and now someone that works in the media, how do you deal with something like that? If he's standing there saying, I have to want the Prime Minister on the phone right now, well, what do you do? How do you, how do you deal with that? Well,
7: you rely on the professionals, which is no doubt what Tony Abbott did. And so you, you get the expert opinion. Now, particularly yesterday, when they knew who this guy was, had an extensive record, they had extensive dealings with him, so they knew him well. And so they they were able to make the best judgments. and I think the judgment would have been if we give in to him straight away, he'll just start killing people. So so what should change?
2: What should change? As a result of this, because I mean, the elephant in the room here is this bloke whether linked to an Islamic group or not. And people are calling him alone. This there's no, there's no there's no doubt about it. He is part of a global thing. He mightn't be a member of a group, but he's part of a global hatred of the West. He came to this country. He found a way to hate this country. And he lived every moment of his life here trying to cause trouble in it and, and you know, offending the people to which we are most grateful. What should change as a result of this?
7: Well, I, I don't think much can. Now, we can all be more vigilant, but as I said earlier, it's very hard to know what to do about lone nutters. Uh, and by the way, th- this one's even more surprising, even that if he's from Iran, he's almost certainly a Shia. Mm-hmm. And the Shias aren't, of course, uh, in love with ISIL. In fact, uh, the Iranians have been bobbing some some uh, ISIL strongholds because uh, ISIL is predominantly Sunni. And uh, I'm really surprised by this. It's... That's why, again, you can't guard against the lone nutter. Uh, I don't think there's much you can do. Uh, You can't put a guard in every coffee shop, in the the centre of every city. It's just not going to work. Well,
2: do we wake up and realise that people like this have a mindset that is at war with our way of life and then start making decisions about whether they're right fits for our country and then when they turn out not to be right fits with them, do away with them, send them back imprison them, get rid of them, because there's been strong evidence that this bloke has been a ticking time bomb, for want of a better phrase.
7: Yeah, but I mean, you know, there are habitual criminals that you know will commit crimes again. You can't put them in jail until they commit them. If you're in a democracy, I don't know how you get rid of people who haven't committed a crime. In this case, this bloke is committing crimes. I reckon what we ought to be doing is having a much closer look at the links between criminality and uh, and some of these, uh, these maddies. Because remember that Sheroose, uh, was, you know had an extensive criminal record. He'd been in jail on and off for years. He was a professional criminal. And so some of these guys are criminals who've got links. Where they happen and you get them on anything, you should put them away for very long periods. Now, that is possible, and that's something that we've got to look at. But it still, Jason, won't stop other lone nutters. I don't know if there is a strategy anywhere in the world to stop this. All you can do is listen as much as you can... Watch them as much as you can, and see you know the more aggressive they're getting, the more likely it's becoming. Have some intervention then, but you know if they're clever and they don't show you that they're they're about to do something like this, mm. it's going to be very hard. Or Br-
2: make them fear us more than we fear them is Br- possibly another approach. Br- well, Br- well one,
7: one thing's for sure, you know when you catch them on any minor thing that isn't necessarily terrorism related, whack them in the jar for a long time. My word, my word. You know they're nutters, put them away. would
1: love to hear from you, One triple three five three. You can call us anytime. how you're feeling this morning, uh, what you're thinking about this whole situation and what it means for yourself going forward even this morning. I know that a lot of my friends, uh, my friends in Sydney have been tweeting me using that hashtag, I'll ride with you. We're talking about public transport, Jason, and... Basically, just trying to come together and saying, echoing the sentiments of the Premier and uh, that we need to come together, that we can't live in fear, that we have to keep trying to move forward, which is nice. Yeah, I think,
2: Ed, uh, what's on a lot of people's minds today, too... And, and don't be embarrassed for thinking it and don't be embarrassed for saying it, but you need to know the facts because everyone is saying, why didn't the police pop him? I asked, why didn't they, I, I why did did didn't ask they you take him there. out?
1: Yeah, I asked you that off there. We we're looking at the images and all through the day as well. And I asked you off there because I know that you have sources in inside the police. You've spoken to a yeah. number of police officers. And I said, well, wouldn't they, would they entertain the option of having a clear shot at this guy and taking, taking him out? we saw a well, number of they you, did they, they did, did okay.
2: and they looked for it for hours and hours uh, It's not as easy as it looks on TV because when we go to the movies we see people being shot through glass windows we've yep. been shot two miles away through through snipers sitting on building tops. There's no doubt we had those people there but I've got to point out this lint chocolate cafe is in an old bank building mm-hmm. and you know imagine for a second glass the thickness of your standard ballpoint pen. I mean that's that's pretty it's pretty dense. You, right. you shoot at that, it's going to take three or four shots to get through that. You fire three or four shots to shatter that glass. What's he going to do when you fire those three or four yeah, shots? It's too much time. It's too much time. And so I, I know everyone because I, I thought it too. I thought, why don't they just knock him off? Mm. I mean that that's what. And I'm telling you, if if these guys could have, they would have. Right. They the police officers, and I know a couple of them were out on the front last night. They are devastated that that this has seen civilians, hostages die. That's not what they want. They they, they they don't even see it. They use every weapon they have to try to talk the hostages out of the scene so it's down to them and the gunmen. Right. That's what they want, and they couldn't get it. Remember, I told you earlier, this started at about a few minutes past two, when he shot at short range a man in his 30s and it was not even expected they just got hostages released he freaked he shot them and the next thing you know there's gunfire everywhere so if you're thinking that this morning don't feel bad for thinking it but you need to know the facts it's not as simple as it looks when you watch mission impossible no, it's I far more yes. than that right. and, and and you just can't you just can't do it and and it's not through lack of courage because those police officers, men and women, and there are a number of women out there on the front line. Last, they are courageous souls. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they want to bring an end and protect the hostages, and it's not as clean and as simple as just. Right, there he is. We've got a clean shot right between the eyes, Presto. It's not as easy as that. Mm. And they are devastated today about this outcome. there's there's a couple of cops that have been very badly hurt. one one policeman got uh, got shotgun pellets in the face.
1: I saw that. yes. Uh, we'll be hearing a report it's... from the hospital in a little while as well. find out the on the condition of that police officer and some of the uh, hostages as well. One, triple three, five, three, we're asking you what you think. How are you feeling this morning? Call us any you like throughout the morning, and I believe we've got Tony on the line. Tony, you're a teacher?
4: Yeah, right. Yeah, out here at uh,
1: the South West Sydney,
4: so yeah, it's pretty um, you diverse... good out here at the moment.
1: Well, you'd have a very diverse, I imagine you've got a pretty diverse uh, group of students there. Uh, very diverse
4: uh, indeed. We've got uh, a lot of different cultures, but we had a lot of people coming up to us yesterday, just saying that they didn't understand what was going on and it wasn't to do with their culture or their religion. So mm. um, they didn't support it at all.
2: What do you think this is going to do? You know, let's start in the schoolyard, but, but you know, schoolyard is a reflection of what goes on outside the fences too. What do you think this incident will do?
4: I, I, well, I, I think I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit there. The schoolyard is is a place for young minds and, and young individuals. Uh, We have a great opportunity at the moment with this uh, I'll ride with you hashtag. Yeah.
1: Uh,
4: And that's that's an extreme positive. We need to build on that and come together as a community, not just as adults, but as children as well. We need to reinforce the positives out of this, like those heroes, the servicemen and and stuff that uh, did their job yesterday and last night. We need to look at that. We need to support the families and um, our Australian culture, and I mean a holistic Australian culture, not... Um, singling out any specific ethnic group or religion. Well, well, there
2: should be if we're if we if we're growing up about it. We'll only go anywhere as a country if there is one Australian culture. We can have an Australian culture made up of plenty of people of plenty of nationalities, but if we've got one fundamental set of values that which we live, um, we're on the right track.
4: And I, I think yesterday, uh, unbelievably un- unfortunate, that a spoilt little boy or child you you ignore the negative behavior and praise those ones that have, have done the positive things. Mm. Uh, he sought attention the way he did. Um, he, unbelievably unfortunate, but we've got a lot of parents and a lot of uh, community members out here that uh, are supporting each other and, and are positive about it. So um, I give thanks and praise to each and every other individual God that you may believe in. And like Dave, uh, Alan used to say, may your God go with you. I have your God goes with everyone else today.
1: So, well, we appreciate that, Tony. Tony's a teacher in Sydney, and that that is an absolutely fantastic message. And it is people like Tony who are teachers who are out there dealing with young people and dealing with people from all different backgrounds and everywhere. That is a, a fantastic message, I think, going forward. There, you know, Ed.
2: Earlier, I, I, when we were talking to Graham Richardson, I yep. asked him the question: What do you think will change yep. as a result of this? I actually think that's what we should ask this morning: What do you think will change as a result? Of what's gone on in the last twenty four hours this morning, there'll be people hearing this news, and I know, and you know, Ed, how you mm. felt when this first was told to you, when you first heard about it on the radio. I was sickened. I mm. was absolutely sickened because I, I never dreamt that this is how it would end. I really thought that, uh, I don't want to crudely put it, that the police would win this and. They'd get all the hostages out and they'd get the guy they'd arrest him because that's how everything ends in Australia. We don't end things in shootouts. I can't think no. of a time this has happened. And I, I come back to the point what do you reckon will change as a result One of what's
1: tri- gone on? That's a question. One triple three five three. What do you think? What do you reckon will change as a result of this situation? You can call us anytime. One triple three five three. It's Triple M's Summer Breakfast. Special edition of Summer Breakfast covering the siege uh, in Martin Place, which ended. Overnight, uh, the gunman has been identified. Jason, as you said earlier, he's a guy who, well, the throughout the Sydney press and throughout the legal system has been known for a very, very long time. And uh, Michael's given us a call now. Ma- uh, Michael, your mum is a, a legal secretary. I understand. And uh, did she have dealings with this man?
0: Um, yeah, she's now retired. Um, she retired uh, a, a few months ago. But yes, in the in the past, she has has she she certainly um, has had dealings with this with this man. Um, Insane. that, just firstly, I'd like to send my deepest condolences to the families involved, yeah. um, and especially those of the deceased. Um, the whole country <laughs> is behind you guys, and uh, you know it's just just a, a shocking turn sort of events. But, Absolutely
1: uh, right.
0: Um, so, uh, just just yeah, just a general conversation. Um, um, you know, my mum has had dealings with this guy, and, uh, um, and in insane. that, she's she, she dumbfounded. She was dumbfounded in the beginning how he walked free um, on bail, um, due to mm. the due to the magnitude of his of his offences. Um, now, I I strongly believe, and, I, and and I'm sure this will something's got to come out of this something about the a full reform of the bail laws in this country. Oh I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, well, what what do you have to do to not be able to be, be granted bail? I mean,
2: and Michael, what's bail for? A bails. I would have thought one of the central considerations of bail is the protection of the community. When police arrest somebody for something, the absolute assessment should be made, is this person, if allowed, back out? Because at that point, they're only alleged to have committed a crime. But when they're allowed back out in the community, is there a risk to the community? I I don't know. Look, You you know know your mum and you know how we react to things. We generally... After the event, everyone's a bit more of an expert on it. But did, did she ever have concerns early in the piece that this bloke was not fit to walk the streets?
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, when you're in the industry for – she's been in the industry for about 15 years. But
2: You get a good instinct, know, don't you?
0: you? You certainly do. Well, it's a mother's intuition as well. You You, you know you – know, I mean, I knew that my mother knew that the guys I hung around with when I was growing up weren't the right guys. Mm. You know, she she just, she knew, she just know. You
2: know, Michael, can I make an observation? Your mum who worked as a legal secretary who'd been in it for most of her life can make an assessment on a person's character. And we have learned folk called judges whose job it is to make an assessment on a person's character. And they have screwed up along so many hurdles with this guy. There were so many opportunities to make sure he wasn't among us. That's exactly right. That beats me.
0: Somebody needs to be held accountable. Mm, spot on, Somebody well needs. Somebody does need to be held accountable for this Well because it's, you, you can't, I mean The laws in this country are, are, are that loose They're just, if this had happened in America I'm sure the guy wouldn't have been able to see the light of day again mm. I mean, I'm sure they would have Something would have been put in place over there
1: Alright, Michael, um, we appreciate your time this morning Michael's mum was a legal secretary who had dealings Uh, with the man who's been confirmed as the gunman here. And he's saying, like you've been saying, Jason, that there's something systemically wrong if this man was allowed to walk the streets out on bail with the rap sheet as long as as the one that he had, that confirmed that he had. And I still go back to this, Jason. You said offhanded. The first thing you said to me this morning, I said, oh, so you knew this guy. And you said, just as a... Oh, you said very offhandedly. You said, yeah, he sent me death threats. Even that, to me, I go, well, okay. Look, he he is so
2: well known to the authorities... The the army, the army community in Sydney hate him. You know why? Because he was writing letters. He went to the trouble of looking up the private addresses of soldiers who'd been killed in action so he could write letters, disgusting. hate mail to their families. There's this lovely lady called Brianna Till. And, oh gosh, I hope she's not listening this morning because Brianna got a letter after her husband was killed in action. Their baby was born after he died and they got a letter from this mongrel saying how much she, he, he hated her and whatever. And he he's convicted over this. He gets 300 hours community service. Now, that's your warning sign. He's a nut. Anyone who writes letters to dead soldiers' yep. family is a nut. They're not fit, right? But then we have the matter with the wife. The ex-wife, he is alleged to be involved in... Her death. Then there's sexual assault allegations. There's 42 charges.
1: Unbelievable. Uh, Jace, let's hear from uh, New South Wales Police Chief Commissioner Scipione uh, uh, this morning.
0: I can indicate to you that um, we have accounted for at this stage 17 hostages. That includes the five that escaped yesterday and a number that have been caught up with, some with traumatic injuries, some with medical conditions. Um, We have, as you have reported, two deceased amongst the hostages and six that were uninjured. We also have a lone gunman who has been shot and killed. And we have a male police officer who has been injured as a result of a gunshot wound to the face. I have talked to that officer. Um, he is in uh, good condition. He has certainly um, been assessed and will be remaining in hospital for some time. Not too long, we hope, but uh, he is well and uh, and grateful to be alive, let me assure you.
1: Yeah, there's Skippy only there, the uh, New South Wales Police Chief Commissioner statement. We just want to reiterate this, uh, Jason, because the identity of the gunman has been confirmed He's a man that's been, well, to say the least, known to police, but also known to yourself. Uh, How long have you had dealings with this man?
2: Seven or eight years, I'd say. Um, It started at around about, about 2006. I remember getting a letter from someone calling me all sorts of names because I spoke respectfully about Australian soldiers that had been killed in combat mm-hmm. as a, as a regular Australian would do. You know, you show great respect to those who, who put all on the line for their country. Yep. And I got this hate mail thing about, you know, you, you, you this, you that. And I just, I remember I hung on to it cause I thought to myself, this guy's off his tree. And then within weeks we started hearing whispers out of the defense community in Sydney around the Holsworthy army base this guy was sending letters directly to families. Yep. So he somehow, you'd find the name out from the news media and he'd go and find out, right, Joe, you know, Joe Bloggs is from this address. And he'd send a letter to the families to say, your son died. He's a criminal, etc. Et I mean, imagine opening that after you've just lost your son in battle mm. and you get this. Anyway, of course the defense community handled it in the way that they they do. They handed it up through the ranks and, And um, there was a lot of anger about him. And within a, a very short period of time, he found himself the subject of a court accusation on this, which then went another level because then he argued he was expressing his freedom of speech. This is the kind of nutter that we're dealing with here, that his hate mail to the families of dead soldiers was his right of freedom of speech. Right. Anyway, he was charged with a you know this kind of strange offence, sending things through the mail and everything like that, and they got him three hundred hours community service. Can you believe that's the punishment? Now that's, that's where it started.
1: But that's where we come in here because that three hundred hours community service, I believe. Uh, our next caller, and you can call us anytime, time one triple three five three. John, good morning to you. Uh, did you also did you have dealings with this man? Did you actually work with him on some of this community service?
7: Yeah. Good morning, guys. Um, yeah, he. Um was actually as you said he was based on uh, community service um, and he was actually uh, doing yard work um, around our our premises
1: all right and what do what do you remember about this man
7: oh look yeah you know, he was pretty quiet like he said hello um, but basically he so sort of speak to himself
2: was he the full bottle
7: oh, look you know he as I said he was he's pretty quiet so you can, yeah look you can never never tell but now clearly from what happened yesterday he's not no
2: mm. Yeah, oh yeah, no, no doubt about that. But I'm just interested to know if if, he, even then it was apparent to you this was someone particularly different. Because the rest of the story which goes on from your interaction with him, John, is that after all of that, people started looking into his background and suddenly discovered that he had some things to answer about an ex-wife yep. who, who was killed uh, and then some sexual allegations. It kind of started to form a picture this was a bad piece of work. Yep. So in in... In that time, I mean, was there anything about his behaviour? I not know. You say he's quiet. Was there anything about his behaviour that stood out to you?
7: No, no, not personally. No. You knew he
2: was the guy that wrote the letters
1: to the soldiers, I assume.
7: Um, no, because well, no, I probably would have said something to him. But no. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> All right, John. Well, thanks for your call this morning. We appreciate hearing from you. Jace, we are going to be hearing from Darren Hinch after 8.30. Also, we're going to have the latest on the injured. Let's hope that uh, everyone who is injured, including a policeman was, uh, I believe, had a shotgun pellet to the face, was your information.
2: Yeah, he copped it uh, in in the crossfire. Do you know, there's something going on in Sydney, which, you know, this, this sometimes is a fairly emotionless city. And, and yeah. when things happen, you know, people kind of just get on with things. Um, In Sydney this morning, flowers, tributes are being left I've in Martin that. Place it's by people nice. going to work. It's yep. just, it, it, it does because there is this real helplessness. I mean, we want to kind of bond together. We want to do things. We want to, you know, and everyone says the best thing you can do about terrorism is to just keep on doing what you did. And that, I look at that and I just think that's tremendous because that's the greatest symbol that we are.
1: Well, Jason, I started seeing from uh, a lot of my friends who were living in Sydney and were having to go to work and to, you know, study and all different things today. Uh, I started seeing them over Twitter with a a hashtag, hashtag I'll ride with you saying which public transport they were going to be on, which number, and that if people were feeling just looking for some, a sense of community, a sense of togetherness. And our uh, producer, Sarah Fayor, is in the studio to tell us a little bit more about that. I understand that this is something that's really starting to take off, Sarah.
3: Yeah, hi guys. It's definitely it. one incredibly heartwarming thing that's come out of all of this. Yep. So yesterday we saw um, there was a tweet and it was by at Sir Tessa. Yep. And she wrote, if you regularly take this, and she quoted the bus number, bus between Coogee and Martin Place and wear religious attire and don't feel safe. Uh, I'll ride with you. And then the next tweet that she sent was maybe start a hashtag with a question mark. And that was sort of about 4.30 yesterday. Mm -hmm. And this was after she'd witnessed something extraordinary uh, on the bus. And, And Tessa spoke with BBC Worldwide. And here's what she had to say.
8: There was a woman who observed another woman on a train just silently remove her hijab. And when she got off the train, she approached that woman on the station and simply said, put it back on, I'll walk with you. And the woman who would removed the hijab simply cried and hugged her. And nobody should have to live like this.
3: So that wow. woman was Rachel Jacobs, and she also tweeted about it and said that the, the woman who removed the hijab walked up to her after she said, Look, put it back on. I'll walk with you. I'll ride with you. She mm-hmm. hugged her for a minute and started crying. Oh, it's just beautiful. But there nice. have been uh, about two hundred and seventy thousand tweets with the hashtag I will ride with you over. Okay, it's so
1: hashtag I'll ride with you. Mm-hmm. If you are catching transport and public transport in Sydney today and you're feeling like you want to get involved, Jason, we know there are a number of very, very serious issues in and around this, but as you said there has to be a moment where people do come together in any way that they possibly can. And it is very nice to see people leaving tributes uh, to those that have been injured and have lost their lives in the siege. And anything you can do to reach out to people today is probably a good thing.
2: And I think we want out of this too leadership from, from our political You're leaders. You're very right. I think it's very true. We want them. And it's it's not just going to be about words and sentiments. It's going to have to be about actions. There's a couple of fronts. We, we need action to ensure that people like the perpetrator of this that they don't do not follow the same way that this man has and yep. has been allowed out we we know that's first that's that's obvious to say um, we also need to know that the police officers many of them who feel devastated by this outcome and we know that, that you've spoken
1: to off-air some of the police officers that were on the yeah. front line of this oh mate
2: they they have
1: to know how
2: overwhelmingly impressed we were with their approach to this that the only reason this went pear-shaped is because that evil man shot a bloke a man in his 30s Dead at short range, mm. it totally unpredictable. They were talking, they were negotiating the hostages out, and then suddenly, bang, it happened. Mm-hmm. So we need them to know that you know if we're going to talk about platitudes and sentiments, we've got to make sure that those police officers no, they, they have feel damn as thankful fully we are. As they are absolutely of, of right of it because imagine how you'd feel today when you know your job is to get every one of those hostages out there alive. Yep. And and this has gone on, and and you know you you, you can't you can't plan around a madman. No, you and can't. That's that's what you know. That's what they had to do last night.
1: Let's hear now from the Prime Minister.
6: Early this morning, the Martin Place siege ended with the death of the lone gunman and tragically, the loss of two hostages. Innocent Australians caught up in the horror of yesterday. Uh, Five other people, four hostages and a New South Wales police officer have been injured. Uh, State and Commonwealth agencies are investigating. Understandably there is a lot of speculation but it will take time to clarify exactly what happened in Martin Place and why. What we do know is that the perpetrator was well known to state and Commonwealth authorities. He had a long history of violent crime, infatuation with extremism and mental instability. We know that he sent offensive letters to the families of Australian soldiers killed in Afghanistan and was found guilty of offences related to this. Uh, We also know that he posted graphic extremist material online. Uh, As the siege unfolded yesterday, he sought to cloak his actions with the symbolism of the ISIL death cult. Tragically, there are people in our community ready to engage in politically motivated violence. The events in Martin Place also show that we are ready to deal with these people professionally and with the full force of law. I want to thank the New South Wales Police and all the other agencies involved for their professionalism and courage. Uh, yesterday, Premier Baird showed great steadfastness and Sydney Siders can be proud of their calm during what was a very difficult and testing day.
1: The Prime Minister there speaking moments ago, Triple M Summer Breakfast, uh, journalist Jason Morrison, is our very special guest, and we'll get your thoughts and the thoughts of Darren Hinch uh, on that statement and on this, all the details as they're coming to light this morning in a moment. Darren Hinch has joined us, and Darren, you've just been listening to everything the PM had to say. Your thoughts?
9: Well, the, the Prime Minister also at the end of that said uh, there are lessons to be learned from this. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the lessons we should be learning from this, I'd like to hear from a guy called Daryl Pierce. Because Darrell Pierce is the Perth magistrate, uh, sorry, the Penrith magistrate, who left this man out on bail uh, not that long ago on 40 sex offences. He was already on bail on being um, an accessory to uh, a charge of being accessory to murder. He had the other background of the uh, the crimes against the the the, 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 the victims, families. our, our yep. soldiers, who were mm. who he said were, he insulted their families and insulted them and their bravery. So here's a magistrate let this man walk. The questions are some of the lessons. One, why was he out on bail? Another question is he was an a migrant? Uh, was he an Australian citizen? He, his hate stuff from before we saw on websites, etc. And they now saying, oh, he's a madman, he's a lunatic. Well, they knew he was on a watch list. You're hoping now somebody's looking at other people like him and saying, well, who are these guys? Should we have them under more under more ob- observation? Jason? Yeah,
2: Darren, I, I reckon, I mean, uh, point one you make, why on bail? Absolutely. Um, Magistrate Pierce I would, I would, geez, it wouldn't wouldn't be interesting to know what, what he's singing about this morning. But of course, you know, you're never allowed to ask that question, and you never get an answer to that question. But this is the problem. You, you know, Darren, I know most people listening to this know that as much as there is a public will for mongrels like this to be deported, because remember, he was given safe haven in Australia as a refugee, hmm. and and there, there there could have been an easy argument to say after he had committed the the most grotesque crime. Against the, the great people of this country, the defence force families, uh, after insulting them, that should have been an argument enough mm. to say, right, mate, see you later. There's but, but, the airport. But apart Tanner. from
9: yes, but apart from that, you also today tonight in the old days, uh, David Richardson, they chased this guy all over the place. He was yep. well known for his for his violence, for his. Uh, I mean, the fake Sheikh was out there, you know, preaching all. The, I mean, this, for a man who starts talking about the the religion of peace. Who takes a shotgun to a coffee shop, for God's sake? You know, yeah, so yeah. And he, sh- they, he should be on an alert list. He should not still be in this country. I doubt he was an Australian citizen. And, uh, and I hope that now, when the Prime Minister says there are lessons to be learned, they are learning these lessons. But we keep being told this again and again. There must be another dozen out there like him who shouldn't be here.
2: And what are we going to do about it? And when will we be grown up enough in this country to put past all the fears of upsetting a few people and actually start to stand for the majority and stand for the protection of the country as opposed to always going back into this safe zone as in standing up for the people who, oh, we've got to be careful because you never know what... You know, get off your asses and do
9: something to protect your citizens. One other thing here, Jason, from the Prime Minister's speech, at least he is holding the line. He's not saying, oh, dismissing the saying, oh, there's nothing... About terrorism here, it was really just a madman. This is what some of the people are now saying, as if to, to say this is not a, um, a religious issue. This man put up an Islamic flam. This man tried to wrap himself in the cause. Yep. In the past, he's argued about uh, that on his website about Australians and, and the United Kingdom and America. We are, we are being, you know, we are violent people and all this sort of stuff. So he, he had the kernel there. Whether what he, his final actions were pushed by domestic stuff, I don't know. But he had the kernel there, and that should never be ignored. And I just hope that out of this
2: comes courage in the leadership of this country, at state and federal level, courage to actually do something. Not to say things, but to do something. That's what Australians are crying out for today in the memory of these poor souls lost inside that coffee shop. Well said, Darren. Well,
1: 13353, uh, we are taking your thoughts this morning. What do you think that should happen? Now let's now hear... Uh, a, little bit, a statement a little bit earlier from New South Wales Premier Mike Baird. We are a peaceful, harmonious society, which is the envy of the world. But I say to everyone in New South Wales, today, we must come together like never before. We are stronger together. We will get through this. We will get through this. But the events that we have seen... Have shaken us, but they do not dampen our resolve. Mike Beard speaking earlier today. Uh, Jason and Darren, your thoughts on that?
9: Look, um, look. A few months ago, Mike Beard probably didn't even think he's going to be premier of his state. Right yeah. he certainly wouldn't have dreamed to be standing there today and getting understandably emotional in his favourite city in the world, having to tell the world mm. we will get through this after the bloodshed in his city. I think he did an amazing job yesterday and today, along with the police commissioner. I was very impressed.
2: Yeah, they, they, they got it right, and they got it right because they were honest and they were frank, and that's that's what will get us through this. He's been in that job for seven months, and, you know, you're right, Darren. I mean, this time last year, he was the treasurer of the state and was a very long way away from being in this position. And, you know, you, you, you find out the most about people when the pressure's on That press conference, that clip you heard that we played, that that was at about 5.30 in the morning. Mm. You know, I mean, they'd been up all night and Mm. and in the police operations centre and the Premier, I'm told, just stood at the back and said, anything you want, I will get, but I'll stay out of your way. And all credit to them. I mean, they are the words of a leader and good on him.
1: Gentlemen, we're joined now by editor-at-large of the Daily Telegraph, John Lehman. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, guys.
9: Hi, John. Listen, I, the Telegraph, I know, is getting getting pilloried for that special edition you put out yesterday, and I think you're being unfairly treated here because, uh, okay, it wasn't IS, but it was IS associated to the extent that he was demanding, apparently it'll come out more, he was demanding of of, of, of contacts to get IS flags. He put the only flag up he had. If it had an IS flag, he would have flown the bloody thing.
8: Yeah, it may be a bit hard for some uh, people to swallow this morning, and... Uh I understand the sensitivities, but when uh, someone walks into a, a cafe in Sydney uh, armed and uh, pins up, forces people to pin up a flag, which has been used by uh, jihadists around the world for the last 20 years, unfortunately, we have a terror situation. And uh, the Daily Telegraph, along with uh, many other news publications, uh, devoted considerable resources to covering that event. Yesterday, we produced a special uh, 2 p.m. paper. There was rolling news coverage on TVs and the internet. We all know that. But... Um, yeah, we can't uh, change the facts of the matter, unfortunately. And I, that's I think it, anyone John. You're you getting pilloried for, for so. telling
2: the truth. Yeah. And, and there, there's, this, there's this movement in Australia that doesn't want the truth told. Whether this bloke was a member of a known organisation or a known terrorist body, he's a part of a global thing that's going on, hatred of the West and a condemnation of the West in the name of religion. He might be nuts, but you'd have to be nuts to think like that. And there's well, no harm in telling it as it
9: is. He was, instilling, right. he was instilling fear. He wanted to instill fear. in those poor hostages that he had in there with him for all those 17 hours, uh, you ask them, they knew he was a bloody terrorist.
8: Absolutely. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, there aren't too many sane terrorists. So obviously he was a nutter and uh, um, he may have been acting alone. But that is really the power of uh, ISIS and these other fringe uh, Islamic groups. They use social media to really appeal to anyone. I mean, you can all be a terrorist if you, if you want to be, and that's what really is scary. And, uh,
9: well, but by, by, to... by, by the definition, um, what happened here in Endeavour Hills would not be a class of terrorist attack. He was one guy, you know, one young man who who went to stab and did stab two uh, two police officers before. He was shot dead. Now, that was a terrorist attack. The fact that he was one man and may not have been totally associated with IS, with IS doesn't make it any less of a terrorist attack, in my view.
8: Yeah, sure. It's it interesting uh, also to... Um, Read this morning that uh, this is a man who has 15,000 followers on his uh, various Facebook pages. That's
2: extraordinary. Wow. Yeah.
8: And uh, yesterday he posted a photo of dead children, and uh, uh, with the words, "This is this is evidence for the terrorism of America and its allies, including Australia." the He's result can, of their John, airstrikes.
9: John, it's going to be interesting to find out what what he was demanding people put up on Facebook for him, what he was demanding of the hostages, uh, and what actually demands he made to some news groups and some media groups who suppressed it on the, uh, at the request of the police. I think as stuff comes out, we'll find that uh, this man was uh, was very deeply entrenched uh, with, with his terrorism ideas.
8: Absolutely. And we know also, uh, obviously, that he was uh, charged with uh, sending uh, letters of hate to the uh, grieving families of uh, fallen Australian soldiers in Afghanistan. Uh, and we
2: tra- know also, John, that the system let us all down. That's what we do know. Yeah. Well, John,
9: um, I hope the telegraph tomorrow asks the question, why did Magistrate Darrell Pierce and Penrith Magistrates Court let this bastard out on bail?
8: Yeah, it's, a, it's a very sorry situation. I think we do need a, a serious review of uh, some of the offences that attach themselves to things like uh, sending uh, messages of hate and preaching hate. And I think the other big question today is how closely was this guy being surveilled? Were our authorities following his movements on, uh, on, uh, on social media? Yeah. Uh, did they have him really under, under, under constant surveillance? I think if they didn't, uh, we need to radically re- revise our, uh, the way we handle these people like this. We can't yeah. let them roam free. Unfortunately, all of our freedoms have been curtailed and, uh, that is something we have to live with by the same token, We must continue with our lives and, uh, that's what uh, the message has been very clearly this morning as well. All right, John
1: Lehman, editor at large of the Daily Telegraph, we thank you for your time this morning. Uh, Jason Morrison, we thank you for your time as well. Darren Hintz, we thank you for your time as Good well to be this here. morning. And thank you. Uh, we'll have more updates uh, throughout the morning. Of course, we'd just like to finish on the note to say that all of our thoughts here at Triple M are with the families of all of the people involved in this uh, terrible incident with the f- police. As you said earlier, Jason, I know that you've spoken to a number of the uh, serving police officers that were involved. Our thoughts are with them. And to the families, of course, of the, uh, of the hostages that were involved. It's a
2: lucky country, and we're lucky to be here, and we've got to keep it like that.
1: Triple M. Hey!
0: That was Triple M's Summer Breakfast. Out Santa, Santa this Christmas. And find a gift in under two minutes at redballoon.com.au.